Good evening. Welcome. How are you? It's Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB with Atlanta's evening news. The phone number 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. It is nine after the hour. Quick check of radar for those of you in the metro Atlanta area. We got storms north of Ackworth. Um, the Cartersville area between Adairsville and Cartersville headed to Canton and Holly Springs. Also slightly north of Cumming, you got some rain. And then just to the west of the Palmetto and Noonan area, you've got some rain. Otherwise, mostly clear. More storms will be coming into the area. So I'm supposed to do a wedding uh, tomorrow, and it was supposed to be tomorrow afternoon, and it has gotten moved to tomorrow evening because... It's an outdoor wedding and the weather. So nonetheless, we will move on. Y'all, I can't start the show today with more on Donald Trump Jr. There, There is news, and I promise I'll get to it, but there's a story that is percolating, circulating, and there are several of them, and they're all related. Um, it, this story is by a woman. Her name is Jody Allard. And last year, you'll recall this, we talked about this program, or this column last year, last September, she wrote a piece in the Washington Post that essentially said her sons, who she's a single mom, and her sons, 16 and 18, they are part of rape culture. Her sons are. Not because they've done anything wrong, but because they refuse to concede rape culture. Now, this is a a feminist, liberal, single mother who also was sexually abused uh, or raped at a younger age. And I'm guessing never really had a lot of therapy because uh, this column was so bizarre. She essentially shamed her two sons in the Washington Post last September. Let me just read you the beginning of this. Um, Oh boy, my son said, rolling his eyes. Not rape culture again. We were sitting around the dinner table talking about the news. As soon as I mentioned the Stanford sexual assault case, my sons looked at each other. They knew what was coming. They've been listening to my talk about consent, misogyny, and rape culture since they were tweens. They listened to me then, but they are 16 and 18 now, and they roll their eyes and argue when I talk to them about sexism and misogyny. There's no such thing as rape culture, my other son said. You say everything is about rape culture or sexism. And here's the punchline. I never imagined I would raise boys who would become men like these, men who deny rape culture or who turn a blind eye to sexism, men who tell me I'm being too sensitive or that I don't understand what teenage boys are like. You don't speak out about this stuff, Mom. They tell me, besides, it's not what teenagers do. And then, of course, she encourages them to call one of their sexually active friends to see if he had ever asked for consent first and he said well of course not you got to encourage her first now first of all let me step back there's something to be said here that there's this woman sees nothing wrong with the fact that her high school boys have the potential to be sleeping around she has an in, in it's one of those everybody does it might as well explain to them how it works so they can do it safely things as opposed to telling them they should wait until they're married this this is where where the progressivism goes wrong in the first point 
But then she writes a column in the Washington Post that, by the way, at the time was heavily read, calling her sons part of rape culture, that her sons were part of the problem. And here, here is the last paragraph of this Washington Post column. And in this broken system, anyone who isn't with us is against us, particularly and especially men. Even my own sons, even yours, it's not enough to teach our sons about consent. We have to encourage them to have the courage to speak out against rape culture, too. She's written a new column following up on this. So this lady has now gone to a place called Roll Reboot. Under the category of culture and feminism, she has written a piece, and the title is, I'm done pretending men are safe even my sons and now predictably let me just read you the beginning of this i have two sons they are strong and compassionate the kind of boys other parents are glad to meet when their daughters bring them home for dinner they're good boys in the ways good boys are but they are not safe boys i'm starting to believe there's no such thing I wrote an essay in the Washington Post last year during the height of the Brock Turner case. That's the guy who raped the girl at Stanford while she was asleep and only got six months in jail. About my sons and rape culture, I didn't think it would be controversial when I wrote it. I was sure most parents grappled with raising sons in the midst of rape culture. The struggle I wrote about was universal, I thought, but I was wrong. My essay went semi-viral, and for the first time, my sons encountered my words about them on their friends' phones, their teachers' computers, and even overheard them discussed by strangers. She basically said that her sons were rapists, even though they weren't. Says one of my sons was hurt by my words, although he never told me. And now he's gone to conservative websites where he can channel righteous indignation. I teeter between supporting my son and educating him. As a single mother, I sometimes wonder whether the real problem is that my sons have no role models for the type of men I hope they will become. But when I look around the men I know, I'm not sure a male partner would fill that little hole. Where are these men who are enlightened but not arrogant? Did you know there's a service called Bumble out there? It's a feminist dating service like Tinder, the, the app uh, where you get, that is encouraged to hook up culture. Except with Bumble, the woman has to go first. She has to initiate contact. And it turns out the men on there are just like all the other men. You know, there, there's a side here. There have been several high-profile cases lately where male social justice warriors have turned out to be serial sexual harassers. And I have heard this for a while and believe it to be true that in the social justice warrior culture, uh, it's actually that the men are worse than the conservatives are portrayed, the, the, the sexual harassment that goes on. And listen, it, it's really simple to explain here. When you believe that everyone is created exactly equal, well, you've got two classes of people, your friends and your friends who you can get a level of pleasure with your other friends can't give you. And if you're just friends and it's all equal and everybody does it, well, go for it. And they see nothing wrong with that. And you see deep down, that's why feminism as we know it today is a lie. I mean, feminism as we know it today is largely women jealous of other women's success. Look at look at Joan Walsh. Have you heard about this Joan Walsh from Salon? She's declared that Ivanka Trump can't be a feminist because of the way she dresses. I kid you not. That's what these people believe. And here's a woman who clearly has issues, who was abused at a younger age. 
and has declared that her sons are part of the problem because they refuse to acknowledge it. Let, let me just go back to this paragraph here. I wrote an essay about my sons and rape culture. I didn't think it would be controversial when I wrote it. She didn't recognize that essentially calling her sons rapists in the Washington Post, even though they've done nothing, would be controversial. I was sure most parents grapple with raising sons in the midst of rape culture. She thought the struggle was universal. She thought this. This is a woman disconnected from the real world, from society. And this, this is why I start the show with this. We have a problem in this day and age where any crazy person can get a bully pulpit, stand on a soapbox, and be heralded a hero by the other crazy people and build up a platform and they and the other crazy people don't realize they're damaging themselves. They have no one around them to tell them maybe you shouldn't do that. And they perpetuate it and they push on and they grow and at some point they fall. In some cases, their their families turn against them and there's no one there to tell them that what they're doing is wrong or what they're doing is crazy because the internet culture perpetuates it and, and they're surrounded in an echo chamber of people who agree just like this. I mean, this woman is surrounded by people who apparently think there is a real rape culture and that her sons are part of it and she didn't have anyone to tell her, maybe this isn't true, maybe you need help, maybe it's you, not them. And she's now destroying her relationship with her kids. And she sees now that she, she still thinks it's everyone else's problem. It's not her problem. Now, why would I start the program like this? Why would I start with this subject? Well, it seems like in the politics of this day and age, we're dealing with the same thing. We're dealing with a group of people who are surrounded by other people, all of whom are from the island of Misfit Toys. And they're just encouraging each other and emboldening each other. And there's no person there from the reality-based community to say, you know what, maybe this is a good idea. Maybe you should go about this a different way. Maybe you're destroying your relationship with other people by doing this. There were eight people in the Donald Trump Jr. meeting, not five. We're just now learning that. The details from an emboldened person who no one said no to when we come back. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. When we come back, the Donald Trump Jr. story has taken an interesting twist this afternoon. There were many more people in the meeting than he's told anyone were at the meeting. And where do we know this from? White House sources who continue. Well, I will tell you what a White House source told me earlier today. It's 40 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. Quick check of the radar. We've got more storms starting to fire up north of the city. Uh, if you're up 75 from the perimeter, you're going to start getting rain. Ackworth, very heavy stuff in Canton right now. Very heavy, strong storm just to the east, the east of Ball Ground. There is hail uh, slightly north of Cumming as well. Uh, Going to keep an eye out here. It looks like these storms have the potential to become severe thunderstorms uh, momentarily. I'll keep an eye out for the National Weather Service, but it's looking uh, these storms are intensifying in the evening. Now, we got to get into this Donald Trump Jr. stuff because this is getting bizarre. 
you know, I have said the entire week, and I really have meant it, that this sounds like a setup. Maybe not the Democrats, maybe it's the Russians, but it sounds like a setup. It sounds like the Russians were playing both sides. And now we know that two of the three parties that were helping Prevazon, the Russian group, met with Donald Trump Jr. Fusion GPS was preparing the dossier against Donald Trump, uh, but it was Ramit Akhmetson and Natalia Veselnitskaya who met with Donald Trump Jr., the other two. Uh, she was the lawyer for Prevazon. It just sounds mighty coincidental to me, but there's a problem here on the Trump side. First, they said the meeting didn't happen. Then they said the meeting happened, but uh, there was no reference that this woman worked for the Russian government. Then Donald Trump Jr. released the emails, and it turns out she did. they did say she worked for the government. Then they said it was him, it was Kushner, it was Manafort, and it was her. Well, now we know a Russian, a former Soviet spy met with them. That's number five. And there were three more people in the room as well. And here's the thing. 40 minutes after a meeting with these Russians where they came in claiming information about Hillary Clinton's emails, although they say now none was ever provided, both sides say they didn't give anything. 40 minutes after the meeting was over, the president of the United States, then a candidate for president, began tweeting about Hillary Clinton's email server. Y'all, this doesn't add up on either side. Maybe it wasn't a democratic setup. Maybe the Russians just played both sides very well, but I believe the Russians were playing both sides. And Donald Trump Jr. showed really bad judgment in taking this meeting because it is weighing down his father's administration. I talked to a senior White House staffer today. And he's so angry about what's going on. And I, well, I can't use the language that he used, but I will just tell you phrasing it so that you can understand exactly what he said, but I cannot convey to you the rage at which he said it. He said, right now what's happening is that there is a family feud between Kushner and Trump Jr. And that forces are aligning to try to push Kushner out of the White House because they think he's a drag on the president. And there is reason to speculate that the special prosecutor is not looking at the president, but is looking at Kushner. And so they want him out of the White House. So Kushner is pushing back with all of this dirt on Donald Trump Jr., trying to distract from his own problems, according to the source. In his words, a direct quote from this White House source, it is amateur Game of Thrones BS, except he didn't say BS. Yeah, very, very angry people at the White House today looking at this as essentially a family feud situation in the White House, uh, that this story has come up. And this drip, drip, drip is intentional. It is by design. And here's the thing. It's not the press and it's not the Democrats doing this. It is people within the Trump Organization and White House sabotaging each other. And in the process, they're sabotaging the president's agenda. Obamacare has not been repealed. A wall has not been built. Immigration has not been reformed. Taxes have not been cut. The budget has not been balanced. Healthcare has not been solved. Defense has not been expanded. 
ships and planes and, and tanks are not being built. This was the president's agenda. It's all on hold while they deal with this. You can think that it is a setup by the Democrats. I am moving beyond that to think it was just a setup of both sides by the Russians who played the egos of both sides masterfully. But Donald Trump Jr. should have never taken that meeting. And now he has taken the meeting. And what he should do is disclose all of it. Get out there, have a press conference, and tell us everything. Who was in the meeting? What did they learn? Why did they have it? And what are the key takeaways? We need to know, folks, because otherwise this drip, drip, drip is going to continue to undermine the president's agenda. It is 55 after the hour. I am Eric Erickson. This is WSB. When we come back, let's pivot to healthcare. And I got to talk to you about Game of Thrones because, you know, it comes out on Sunday. I have cleared my calendar to make sure I am not traveling because there be dragons there. When we come back, we'll break it all down for you. It is 610. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News on WSB. How are you? The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Let me bring you up to speed on everything that's happening in Washington today around this uh, Donald Trump Jr. story. There are now eight people who are at the meeting. We don't know who all they are. Uh, What we do know is that the former Soviet spy who specialized in disinformation campaigns was present. Um, And both sides are saying that nothing was ever, there was no information about Hillary Clinton exchanged. But there are problems here now. The Russian lawyer who Donald Trump Jr. met with says she was in contact with top Russian prosecutors uh, during this period of time, but it was over the Magnitsky law that we uh, talked about earlier. There's also the situation with Jared Kushner's lawyer, Jamie Gorelick. Remember Jamie Gorelick? She is a Democrat. She was uh, she was uh, top pick to be attorney general. She was a deputy attorney general under Bill Clinton. Hillary wanted her to be her attorney general. I think she's on the 9-11 commission. Um, she is stepping back from representing Jared Kushner. And primarily, she's stepping back from helping Jared Kushner because she was helping him with his security clearance stuff. And now there's a criminal matter. And Jamie Gorelick's law firm has staffed Bob Mueller's special prosecutor's team. So Abby Lowell, who's a rather famous uh, criminal defense attorney in D.C., is taking over that bit of it. There are a lot of machinations going on right now, machinations, I guess I should say, going on within the Trump White House. And as I said in the last hour, if you're just joining me, I talked to a very senior White House staffer earlier today who said that this is all amateur Game of Thrones BS. What he meant by that is that what we're really seeing in Washington is the Trump family fighting amongst itself right now. Let's step back to a story from the other day. When the Donald Trump Jr. story came out and he released the emails, he released the emails without consulting with the rest of the family. 
he and his lawyer thought it would be a good idea. He and his lawyer released those emails after Jared Kushner and his lawyers had released the, the statements to the press or the emails to the press. He wanted to beat the press to getting the emails out. Jared Kushner's lawyer had already released the emails to the press. They just hadn't been printed yet. So Donald Trump Jr. rushed to beat Kushner's team. There's a fight going on because I am told reliably, very reliably, that Jared Kushner is being looked at at one particular angle by the special prosecutor, and that is, did Jared Kushner, without disclosing it in campaign finance disclosures, did he build an online troll army for Donald Trump? Here's where it gets interesting. What country specializes in online troll bots, automated campaign accounts, automated Twitter accounts uh, that are designed and built to harass opponents? Russia does. Russia builds Twitter trolls, bots. The New York Times did a huge story about it several years ago. It's a fascinating story, and, and there's a group over there that makes a ton of money. There has been speculation that the Trump campaign ran an army of Twitter bots. Now, I got to tell you, from firsthand experience in campaign 2016, there was an organized effort by Trump supporters, and it involved a lot of bots. Bots are automated conversation mechanisms on Twitter, Facebook, Instant Messenger, and whatnot. Um, and there was an organized effort to harass me on Twitter. If I said anything critical about Donald Trump for 24 to 48 hours, my Twitter account became unusable um, because of the the hostility from these people, many of whom were several year old Twitter accounts that were dormant until the 2016 campaign. So one of the things that's been looked at is did Jared Kushner fund the building of a Twitter army and social media army for Donald Trump? And if so, it was not disclosed. There's credible evidence from inside the campaign that he did, but it didn't appear on campaign contribution disclosure reports. So the money had to come from somewhere and got spent somewhere, and that's one of the things they're apparently looking at. I'm told it's been reported now in the Wall Street Journal as well that that's one of the things, and it has nothing to do with the president. We don't even know that the president was told. But it's always, it's it's the cover-up and those small things that get you in trouble. And it looks very much like this could be getting Jared Kushner in trouble. As a result, the rest of the family, except his wife, but Eric Trump and Donald Trump Jr. and a lot of the White House staff would like Jared Trump to be firewalled from the president if he's not going to leave the White House to at least get him away from the president. And as that pressure amped up internally, guess who we found out was meeting with the Russians? Donald Trump Jr. And yes, Jared Kushner was there, but he apparently left very early in the meeting, according to Donald Trump Jr. So it sounds like there's a family feud. But here's the other thing. There are also leaks from within the White House undermining everyone. I mean, just take the story from the New York Times from the other day that when Donald Trump Jr. released his email, White House staffers got in the back of Air Force One and prepared a statement and they didn't run it by any lawyers. They got an okay from the president and they sent it out. That undermines their uh, attorney-client privilege in that case. 
Bob Mueller can now ask them about the conversations that went into formulating that statement, that denial, that partial denial, whatever you want to call it, because there wasn't an attorney present to help them formulate it. It was not attorney-client privileged information. They got too clever by half in this, and the leaks continue. For example, that eight people were in the meeting with Donald Trump Jr., that he's been not telling the truth in this, that he claimed that he was fully transparent. There are now eight people we know of. That's come from administration sources. That's not come from Democrats. That's come from people in the White House. There are people in the White House who spend 70, 80 percent of their time stabbing in the back other people in the White House. And it is affecting the president's agenda. It is hurting the president. It is hurting his ability to get things done. And they haven't been able to figure out who the leakers are in the White House. They need to step it up because the president's agenda is being sabotaged by leaks. Four zero four eight seven two zero seven five zero one eight hundred WSB Talk. Those are the numbers here at WSB. I'm Eric Erickson. It is twenty six after the hour, and when we come back, let's shift gears a little more because we got to talk about Game of Thrones. It, 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 the premiere is Sunday night. Apparently, well, I know someone who's already seen the first episode. They had a big party last night in Hollywood while I was filling in for Mark Garam. He was watching Game of Thrones, so. I'll share it with you when we come back. No spoilers, though. It is Eric Erickson here, Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. For years probably five years i couldn't understand how anyone could watch game of thrones particularly friends of mine who went to church uh, how could you watch something that had that much violence and, and nudity in it uh, i mean it was like like semi-pornographic violence and i i tried several times to watch it the first time i ever tried to watch it i was actually on an airplane and i started watching the first episode and there was just so much there and i was mindful there was a kid sitting over my shoulder i just i couldn't watch it on the plane in addition to the gore i i don't like gore i don't like blood and guts and whatnot i just i never have when i was in the hospital trying not to die last um, april uh, I was uh, wound up being moved after four days out of the, the ICU, put onto the cardiac floor, and probably by 40 years I was the youngest person there. At least by 20 years I was the youngest person there. And there was a, a nurse on the floor. He was in his late 20s. I was up late watching Adult Swim because I can't watch Adult Swim at home. My wife makes me go to bed. And he's like, what are you doing? And I'm watching Adult Swim. And he insists that there's a Game of Thrones marathon on HBO. We got to watch it. And I protested and had no choice. He had the remote control. And he and I stayed up all night watching Game of Thrones episodes until his shift was over. He would go in and out, check on patients and come back. And I was hooked. It is probably the best written television show I've ever seen. And I have subsequently just been amazed by the number of preacher friends of mine who watch it. 
and I always have to watch in a little bit of delay because I do fast forward through all the, the sex and a lot of the violence because I just I don't want to see it. Uh, and, and they do as well. But it is a, an amazing encapsulation of authentic humanity. The good guys do not always win. Sometimes the bad guys do win. Bad things tend to happen to very good people, often for no explanation at all. Uh, it, it is a snapshot of reality. And along the way over six seasons, there's been this building coming war, war with the ultimate bad guys, uh, but then war between all the families that are involved. And, and it starts Sunday night on HBO. Why would I talk about Game of Thrones on this program? Uh, well, one, it's my show. <laughs> but two, it is the most watched television show in the world. More than 48 million people on average saw an episode of Game of Thrones last year live around the world. And an additional 20 to 30 million people would see it within a week of the episode airing, from what I read. That is amazing. There are 300 million people in this country, and essentially a population equivalent to one-third of this country would watch Game of Thrones last year. That is an amazingly huge show. You, you get that level, you get that number with the Super Bowl. And Game of Thrones gets it consistently every single week. That's how good of a show it is. Now, it is not for everyone. Uh, it, it is it is not for young. It is not for anyone under 18. And in my, Now, I know people who let their teenagers watch it. I wouldn't let my teenager watch it. Uh, if you're in college or older, yes. Uh, but we are we are gearing up uh, to and, and I know one of the spoilers. I know the biggest I know the biggest spoiler this year already. And I won't tell you what it is. Um, but it, there is a phenomenal plot twist. If you're a Game of Thrones fan at all, there is a phenomenal, massive plot twist that happens this year on Game of Thrones that is a game changer to set up the eighth season, which is the last season. Uh, just massive plot twist. Um, so with Game of Thrones, one of the things that I just, I, I'm fascinated by it is I've never seen a show so willing to kill off principal primary favorite characters in fact until game of thrones premiered uh seven years ago you never saw a tv show except with very rare exception kill off the lead and game of thrones has done that repeatedly through the years uh with the starks and and the baratheons and and you name it they've they've killed off major popular characters and it has made the show work. I mean, if you become attached to a character in Game of Thrones, the odds are that character is dying. And the fact that this show has resonated around the world is is something to behold. Now, again, it, 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 for some of you, it would be bad for your sanctification. Don't watch it. Uh, I would encourage you not to watch it. Uh, but for others, if you understand what you're getting when you go into this program, that it is a, a brilliant encapsulation of humanity and probably a better written, better plot driven TV show than anything else you can see on TV. But it has some dark and gory and, and, and heavily sexualized parts of it, particularly in the first couple of seasons. 
as long as you know you're getting into that, uh, it is it's worth checking out if you haven't yet. If you're looking for a new TV series to pick up, uh, Game of Thrones is definitely one to do as long as you keep all of that in mind. My mother sent me an email while I'm talking and said she's determined to watch it again and like it. Um, she, I, I don't think it's for my mom. This is not a TV show I would recommend my mom watch. Not a TV show I would let my kids watch. But it all comes to fruition on Sunday night and man I, I part of me i part of me i'm glad that i know i just i can't share the spoiler but uh, at the same time i i wish i could be surprised by what's going to happen and it's going to be a spectacular season so i'm ready for it we may occasionally i may have to take back over mark Aram so so i can talk about tv shows It's 56 after the hour here at WSB. We will return on Monday night, and I'm sure we'll find out who else was meeting with Donald Trump Jr. in that meeting by then. Uh, It's going to be a weekend for sure.